Hey, it's Melvin, one of your friendly neighborhood podcast hosts. Whether it's your first time tuning in or you're a longtime listener, consider leaving a review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever. Reviews are the lifeblood of the podcast world, so if you want to help us out, it'll take only a moment of your time. Otherwise, we hope you enjoy the show. Welcome to Trailer Talks, in Mac Doctrine's semi-monthly segment in which my co-host Daniel and I talk about some new trailers. At the end of August, we had a little something called the DC Fandom, which netted us a ton of new trailers. So we're sure you're excited to hear about that. But for those who couldn't care less about the comic book films, we also have a fun documentary that we talk about at the end. First up, the excitement of a new Batman movie gets Daniel and I talking about martial arts, various practices, and our hands-on experience in self-defense. Then we finally start getting into the trailers and we talk about Wonder Woman 84, or at least the new trailer, and how this latest marketing bid left Daniel and I just a tad unimpressed. And we also talk about the skeleton in the closet, which is basically the inception of Wonder Woman in general. Afterward, we discuss the mythical Snyder Cut, or as is now officially titled, Zack Snyder's Justice League, and talk about what it is that the official trailer, or teaser trailer, of Zack Snyder's supposed original vision for the Justice League really has to offer us. We also dig into the curious nature of Schrodinger's movie, or as Daniel digs into it further, how the Snyder Cut movie inside of our heads might actually be better than what we see next year on HBO Max. And, after being inspired for a few minutes to talk about martial arts after watching Batman fight a guy in his new trailer, Daniel and I chat about the Batman. Daniel turns total fangirl and expresses his unbelievable excitement for the movie, while I worry that the scenes in the trailers might not actually be in the final product due to a few key factors. Lastly, we look at the trailer for You Cannot Kill David Arquette, which is entirely a documentary that Daniel would be excited for, and because we're good friends, I wanted to give him some time to flex his wrestling knowledge with us. By the way, the history behind this documentary sounds fascinating, so stick around for that and hear Daniel tell you everything about it. If you enjoy the show, you can always stop by to the Cinematic Doctrine Patreon and show your support with a $3 monthly donation. Doesn't seem like much, but it really does help us out. We've been able to purchase new equipment and just improve other podcasting logistics. If you support the show through Patreon, you also gain access to some sick perks, like voting on a movie we discuss at the end of each month, as well as exclusive access to The Pre-Show, a show where Daniel and I chat about movies, Christianity, and life itself. There's over four hours of bonus content there for just $3 flat. And you'll get to hear us talk about some miraculous works God has performed in Daniel's life, an interesting debate on whether Daniel and I are more comfortable going to the movies or going to church during the COVID pandemic, you know, what with the masks and the aerosol and all that stuff, or the enduring legacy of a Brock Lesnar cardboard cutout. It's all great stuff. You can also catch us on social media, Twitter, Facebook, wherever. Our Cinematic Doctrine Facebook group is definitely the place to be if you want to chat movies and Christianity with other like-minded Christians. And don't be afraid to leave us a review on your respective podcast app. We'd love to hear what you have to say. All of this will be available in the show notes. Without further ado, let's talk some trailers. Daniel, have you ever punched somebody before? Yes. When you punch somebody, does it just sound like cracking glass? Um, it depends where you hit them, how hard you hit them. Uh, also depends the type of, like, honestly, like, um, if you hit somebody with, like, a lot of like if you hit somebody with a lot of fat on their face or their arm or their chest when you hit them, it makes a lot of like slapping kind of noise versus when you hit somebody with like a more like like you hit someone who's like a who's like very flat chest or muscular, it kind of has like a sharper sound to it versus like a more flabby sound. Why? Yeah, I was just curious because it seemed like Robert Patton's fist was made of bricks and whatever guy's face was in the trailer he's punching was made of glass anyways welcome to trailer talk my <laughs> friends just getting the important stuff out of the way here 
Uh, I've punched people before. I used to do karate. Did you know that, Daniel? I did know that, yes. Was I supposed yeah. to not know that for, for this no. particular exchange? <laughs> Who uh, knows? I didn't tell you what I was going to say. I love yeah. throwing a curveball at you. Yeah, I got a black belt. What kind of karate did you do? I, you know, the kind you take when you're in elementary school. I don't know what particular group that is. Just karate. Went to Amerikick. I don't know what their particular program is, but I got a black belt. And then I was going to take a break. And my sensei said, you know, most students who take a break don't come back. Are you going to come back? And I said, yes, I have not gone back. <laughs> but through Christ, I get to live forever. And so someday I might go back. <laughs> but but until then, I don't know. Why would you need to learn self-defense in heaven? <laughs> like, they're like, really like heaven's great, but there's some real rough neighbors. And... Well, the NRA will say you can have guns for sport. Oh. So I could have fists for sport right i suppose your wife does karate too right she has a black belt as well she's like uh i don't i don't remember any of the level titles or something i know it's not like grand master or like no i think yk kim is named grant is grandmaster yk kim famous director of hot uh i was gonna say hotline miami i always want to say hotline miami (laughs) connection Connection. that was her grandmaster not her great-grandfather grandmaster and she was like up she had like three black belts or three stripes on her black belt. She had been moving up, but I think it's called third Dan, right? There's a third. I'm not sure. Sh- uh, maybe. I think that's what it's called. I wonder how many Dan's Batman has. <laughs> I don't know. Got to keep it relevant. <laughs> I know that's how it is in judo. Cause I, I, I took judo and oh, cool. Which not super long, maybe like a year of judo. I didn't retain it. I, uh, a couple times in the psych hospital, I definitely <laughs> dipped into that back a few times because most of judo is just tripping people. Um, they don't advertise it like that, but that's kind of what it is. So I was able to like very quickly put people on the ground when they're running at me. And I also took some brilliant jujitsu classes here and there. Did you ever but... get to use like a, a whip like Wonder Woman? <laughs> no, but can you imagine? Can you imagine that like art that article like man arrested <laughs> like like Walden Behavioral Care claims that they do not allow <laughs> their psych unit people to use whips on patients <laughs> and that flashes of truths on them. Uh, but I see what you're doing. You're trying to transition into our first movie here. Ah, uh, you got me. <laughs> You're good, but not that good. I can't believe I got us off track only to put us back. (laughs) People are going to hear that opening and be like, man, those guys must be tough. And we are not tough. Like, (laughs) no, no, not at all. (laughs) We have very limited martial arts training, although I did have a boxing tournament as as my bachelor party, which was a horrible idea. Everyone got injured a week before my wedding. (laughs) I got a concussion and could not be in sunlight for two days and when my wife's friends met me, I was like out of it. I was stressed out, tired, and I had a brain injury. So they were like, are you sure you want to marry this guy? He seems really off. He seems dangerous. And she's like, no, no, no. He just he just got punched in the head a bunch. He's totally fine, I swear. That's a story for another day. When, I, when Kat and I got married, we asked her parents as a wedding gift to get us uh, wrestling gear. Like collegiate wrestling gear? Well, like, I'm, I'm not sure what the term is, but like, I can't say sock and boppers. That's what I can't say, <laughs> but stuff where basically we can safely like wrestle or fight each other. Cause I was like, Catherine does this all the time. She, she literally was working that job at a, at a dojo or I think it's called a dojang for years. And I'm like, I could do this again. Like this would be so fun. And so we could wrestle each other with a mat and everything. And then her, 
her dad, my father-in-law was like, nah, get him like a real gift. And it was like, that was the real gift. That's what we wanted. (laughs) But anyways, anyways, it's very interesting, but you're not here for the hosts. (laughs) As we joked about a couple episodes ago, you are here to hear about some trailers. So Daniel, what's our first trailer here today? So our first trailer is for a movie we have talked about before, but because of a recent event, I'm sure you're all heard of DC fan dome dc fandome yeah fandome it's here the trailers came out and if you listen to the episode you realize that that is the primary source for this episode uh but the first trailer we're going to talk about today is the new trailer for wonder woman 84 also just titled ww84 do you think it's going to be like the the big catch is that it's world war 84 (laughs) first off i think you think i think you mean twist not catch i don't know the the catch of the movie well they'll catch me uh, in the theater uh, seat if it's about that because right now it doesn't look good keep going no spoilers <laughs> Melvin come on <laughs> I think in if there was somehow like 82 more world wars in like the the time period between when the first movie came out canonically that'd be crazy <laughs> in 1984 during the cold war Diana comes into conflict with two formidable foes media businessman Maxwell Lord and friend turned enemy Barbara Minerva aka Cheetah while reuniting with her love interest, Steve Trevor. Now, if you've been following the show for any period of time or movie news at all, you will know that this is not the first time that we've talked about Wonder Woman 84, nor is it the first time that a trailer for the film has been released. However, due to, I mean, the pandemic, that's the main reason, uh, the film has been delayed and pushed back in an attempt to keep the sort of hype going and the, the interest going. They've released another trailer. Uh, however, in my estimation, I think this was kind of a mistake as... Um, if you if you listen back to our episodes, uh, I was pretty mildly positive towards Wonder Woman. I was generally pretty excited about it. I like the characters. I liked the first Wonder Woman movie, three fourths of it at least. And Melvin was pretty like, and eh, this doesn't seem to be my thing. However, this trailer pushes me more towards Melvin on this one. Where as I get to see more footage of the film and see more of what the actual plot is, for me it kind of uh, dampens my enthusiasm a bit. So in this trailer, we see more of. Uh, and I think the first thing that is the problem is we see more of Kristen Wiig as Cheetah. And the, within the trailer, they actually show what she looks like, which has been sort of a bit of faint speculation. There were some leaks based on action figures and things that were released. And I wasn't particularly happy with the way she looked. I also, I don't know if this is just unfinished footage in a trailer or something, though at this point in the game, considering the movie was supposed to already come out, I doubt we can blame that. But some of the special effects, seeing Kristen Wiig and Wonder Woman fight just didn't seem great to me. It's Maxwell Lord. I was kind of intrigued because it seemed like he was almost like a Trumpian type figure who'd be like a more of a media mogul. And this one, it seems like he's almost like a Faustian. Uh, well, Faust, I'm saying that in terms of how Faust and Marvel Comics could like manipulate and hypnotize people. But he seems like a guy who can sort of mesmerize people based on what their dreams and desires are. And that kind of wasn't didn't seem that great to me. I don't know. That just didn't land with me. And also, I feel like it might give away too much. And um, this is just me speculating based on a trailer. I didn't read any plot spoilers or anything. But it seems like this might be how we get Steve Trevor, where now I'm like, well, OK, is it going to turn out that he's just a figment of Wonder Woman's imagination? Because to me, that kind of be lame. But it's also kind of lame that he's there. And then there's a, some lame comedy in the trailer, like the big end gag revolves a fanny pack, which just kind of made me roll my eyes. 
I don't know. I still like Patty Jenkins' director. I like the Wonder Woman character. I like really like her costumes in the trailer, which as a fan, it's things that are important to me. And I love the 80s setting. So I'm still likely to see it. However, I would say I'm not as enthusiastic about it as I was before. Um, Melvin, what did you think? They called up Tom Hooper. Can you believe it? They called up Tom Hooper and said, your Cats movie was just so successful. How do we get it just right when we do a cat character in ours? I, uh, <laughs> this was, I just, I don't, I, Wonder Woman's not interesting to me because I think if, if I would, I need to learn more about the history of the creation of the character. But from what I understand, Wonder Woman fundamentally was created as a like sex pervert fantasy. Am I right? Kind of. I think that's a bit of an over simplification the guy who created wonder woman believed that women would eventually overtake the world but he also believed that they would need to keep him around to help run the world keep him or keep men him specifically and and this is this is all second information that i've learned from listening to like videos and podcasts talking talking about this wonder woman i know they made a movie specifically about this professor marsden yeah the wonder woman yeah, I think like an object of sexual gratification is a little oversimplification, but it, it is kind of him crafting his ideal woman and sort of like him putting out what he believes the world would be like via Themyscira and all this stuff. And there definitely is some, there's some of that in there for sure. Like, I don't think it's a, I don't think it's a complete coincidence that he was like, oh, and she uses a whip to tie people up and make them tell the truth. You know, I think that is definitely a, a conscious decision on his yeah. part. So there's a lot of weird things tied up in that aspect of the character. I mean, there's a lot of, I wouldn't say weird things, but just when you look at like what people are creating in the 30s and 40s, obviously things sometimes don't translate well to modern audiences right. or just fundamentally weird and different characters now than how we see them. I recently watched, I was watching through Justice League cartoon again, and El Diablo is in an episode, except he's like a Spanish gunfighter. When I was like, oh, wait, yeah, that's supposed to be the same guy who shoots fire out of his hands in Suicide Squad. So, like, you know, things kind of change over time. Sure. But yeah, that is kind of the, that's the skeleton in the closet yeah. of the character, so to speak. And it just, but. like, it never, it, I just can't get past how that makes me feel, uh, which is bad. And, I mean, do you remember when the first poster came out for this movie? Which one? Because the first poster I remember is like her with wings and flying in the air and stuff. Okay, so the first one I believe that was revealed when they were beginning their marketing campaign, apart from just like the leaks and, and we're making a movie kind of marketing, was sort of like her standing in the golden armor suit that looked very, it looked very Aquaman. Like I actually thought that perhaps there was going to be a crossover of characters in here where she would have some sort of Atlantean relationship because it looked like Atlantean armor. But basically she's wearing full armor and then has like the W in the background that's very like, you know, rainbowy and stuff like that, glimmering like the 80, 84 and stuff. And to me, I was like, hey, that's great. Their first marketing tool is not showing off Gal Gadot's body. I'm like, that's good. Thank you. Because I know I've talked to coworkers, female coworkers, who when they had to choose between like, they had to choose, you know, because they were held to gunpoint. <laughs> they had to choose between Captain Marvel and Wonder Woman. Uh, <laughs> they're like the the coworker said, you know, I like Captain Marvel because her outfit isn't just terrible, <laughs> and and she isn't wearing an extremely short skirt while kicking men. 
and there isn't slow motion going on. And to that, I like I did not I didn't really like Captain Marvel in general, but I liked that about it. I even like Miss um, Marvel. Do you know Miss Marvel? Kamala Khan. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. The fact that her outfit is just so respectful. Part of that is her actual character um, based on her her cultural heritage. But like it's a very respectful outfit. And I'm just that's like a breath of fresh air to me as somebody who knows that Power Girl is still a thing. <laughs> and like Power Girl is just the worst, just the worst. I don't really want to get into that. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I that I, I know that it's like as somebody who listens to commentators on YouTube and in podcasts and some geek commentators and some geek co- podcasts. I don't necessarily like listening to somebody just like not be interested to su- into, in a movie or something based primarily on like a single characteristic or historical aspect. So I recognize that what I'm saying is like could be turning a lot of people off, especially as our first trailer for today. They'll be like, oh, what's he going to say about the Batman? He doesn't like Robert Pattinson because of Twilight. Now, guys, you're good. We're all right there. But like, I don't know, it just colors this movie and this franchise to me wrongly. And even um, the original Wonder Woman had some stuff in it, uh, dialogue wise, that was just a little too much, too, too annoying to me, based on the history of the character. But if you've persevered through my single characteristic that I find irritating, you can know that I actually just think this doesn't look very interesting to me. You'll know in our last episode when we talked about 80 Wonder Woman 84, we were also talking about, I think, Ghostbusters and something else. There was a lot of 80s aesthetic movies in it. And I said pretty bluntly, I am tired of this. Please stop making 80s aesthetic. Please skip the 90s. Go to 2000s. Give me the frosted tips. Play me some Smash Mouth. Put in some ska music. I guess it's kind of 90s. Because I don't know, I just get tired of it. <laughs> so it doesn't have the aesthetic for me. It doesn't have the historical interest for me. I'm not particularly impressed with Gal Gadot as a as a. I've said it tw- twice, I guess her name, and I've said it differently both times. But I'm not particularly in- impressed with her performances. Yeah, I'm not interested. I'm gonna see it because you just kind of have to. <laughs> That's just the life we live. All that said. And I will say this. I, I don't, I'm not impressed in it or excited for it, but that doesn't mean when I go in and buy a ticket, I, I want to watch a bad movie. I want it to impress me. So maybe there's a benefit to the fact that my standards are so, or my standards are so low. They are pretty low, but my expectations for this movie are pretty low, and that might actually be a positive. So I don't know. I, I'm just going to say this, which is I actually like the Wonder Woman character I like Gal Gadot's performance. I don't know if that's how you say her name, but I like her performance as Wonder Woman so far. Like, I don't think she's an amazing actress or anything, but I think she just really, I think she just really nails this character. I don't know what it is about it, but she just, there's something about, like, she there's a regalness to her. And like, there's a lot of scenes in like the first Wonder Woman movie where she's sitting there and she's not necessarily contributing to a conversation, but like just the way she's looking at everyone and taking everything in it really fits like the idea of like a fish out of water first time seeing the world kind of character. And she just has a presence and charisma about her that I think really fits this character. She didn't like wow me or anything like the fast and furious movies she's in or anything like that. Like she's just a person in those movies, but I think she does a decent job in these movies. And I think the, I like the Wonder Woman character. Like I think there's so much you could do with the character, especially if you're into mythology because there's a lot of stuff like Zeus and Ares and all this stuff that I think in Hades that I think would be very interesting for a movie where she like had to go down and fight Hades or something. That'd be awesome. 
especially in the I like her in the comics a lot. And I specifically because I've been watching the Justice League cartoon, like she's really great in those. So I like the character. I don't. It's the same thing with Superman, where I feel like a lot of people have a pop culture view of the character that doesn't necessarily match who they really are. And so they have a sort of a limited understanding of how interesting the character can be. So there's a part of me that's really rooting for the movie. Like I said, I'm not super jazzed after this particular trailer, but I really hope that this movie does well and people like the character because I would like to see more of her. I would like to see more of Gal Gadot, Gal Gadot in the role. So I- I'm pulling for the movie. What do you think of Gal Gadot's John Lennon cover? <laughs> um, I think if that's the worst thing you ever do, you're doing okay. I think it's it's peak like... It's it's that thing from Russia Development. How much does a banana cost? Eleven dollars, you know, or whatever. It's peak of that of just somebody who's so like detached from how, which is weird because she was like a um, in the military. She's a trained soldier. Like she should know things that other celebrities wouldn't. I feel like I don't know. I think she meant well, but just it's that someone described it as like. You know, there's that someone who starts it, who texts all their friends, and there's a group chat where everyone's just like, "Oh man, do we really have to do this?" That's that. That was the vibe of that video. Everyone's like, "Let's, let's be nice to Gal. Let's just do the video for." Her. <laughs> so, Wonder Woman eighty four is written and directed by Patty Jenkins, who did Monster in the first Wonder Woman, with additional writing credits from David Callahan, The Expendables, and DC Comics president Jeff Johns of all people, which is interesting. Um. The expected group of WB people are giving production credits, including Zach and Deborah Snyder, Charles Rover, and lead actress Gal Gadot actually has a product, uh, producer credit on this. So she means a good sign because that means an actor is taking more of a hands-on role with their own character. The film was rated PG-13 for sequences of action and violence. It is scheduled to be released on October 2nd, 2020, but we'll see. Our next film is Zack Snyder's Justice League film in quotation marks, as it has been announced that is in fact, technically four part miniseries. Here is the announced plot description following the death of Superman and Batman versus Superman Dawn of Justice spoilers, Batman and Wonder Woman recruit the Flash, Aquaman Cy- and Cyborg to form the Justice League and protect the world from Steppenwolf and his army of parademons who seek the three mother boxes. Um, but of course, that's that plot description is not why people are interested following the release of the film Justice League fan speculation that what we saw in theaters wasn't the original intended project began to grow, leading to a very vocal contingent of the DC fan base to loudly and repeatedly demand for a rumored Snyder cut of the film. While it seemed unlikely to materialize, the launch of HBO Max proved to be the perfect opportunity to complete the project, with HBO putting forward a reported $30 million to finish Snyder's version of the film. It has also been revealed that this film as you mentioned before, it won't be a film at all, but rather it will be a miniseries on HBO Max. Of course, that doesn't even really begin to cover the full <laughs> Snyder Cut saga. I'm sure one day we'll get into the full nitty gritty of it. But as we see in this trailer, put forth front and center is all of this footage that we never got to see. In fact, I was taking I was taking some notes here a little bit just of things that stuck out to me. Uh, first and foremost, we see Darkseid, who was long rumored to be the villain of a uh vaunted trilogy of justice league films and here he is right at the beginning of the trailer we see the justice league headquarters getting destroyed and i don't even know if you ever saw a headquarters in the other movies um we see dark suit superman which i believe pictures of that already leaked online for me the real big thing is iris west is in the trailer which is the flash's girlfriend in the comics he actually saves her from like a car accident so that's like a whole character's cut 
And there's tons of cyborg stuff. We see cyborg playing football. We see his dad. We see an explosion in the laboratory. And uh, the Ray Fisher has, and I think Snyder himself put online in his original version, that cyborg was supposed to be like the heart and soul of the of the movie. So there's just totally a whole character arc of his that got cut. And I really like the scene where Superman's hugging Martha Kent and Lois Lane. I thought that was nice. So they're putting their best foot forward here where they're showing all of these scenes that are sort of there. It's almost like a proof proof positive of the concept. Like here is all the stuff that got cut from the original cut of the film. It's in the original film resolution with all the same colors. And this is what we all were supposedly missing out on. And here it is in the trailer. I will say I have incredibly mixed feelings on the trailer in terms of the song choice and how it's put together. I have long said that Zack Snyder makes incredible movie trailers. His films are visually impactful and dare I say powerful when you take the individual moments and distill them down to just the visual on screen. I always will sit there and say that I don't think his movies necessarily congeal together from a narrative standpoint. I think sometimes his writing is not the best but like if you Bad. just I, I, i'll let you say that <laughs> but, but it's creative but it's chaotic i mean cr- yeah chaotic <laughs> is good for it but when you just take these individual moments and just put them to a song unsurprisingly zach snyder started as a music video director before he was a, a film director as a lot of people did that's on knock like david fincher was a music video director before he was a film director uh, so was michael bay actually which you can definitely see that in his movies. But you can also see that Michael Bay worked for Victoria's Secret in his movies. Stop watching Michael Bay, everybody. Let's keep going. <laughs> um, let's just keep burning, burning, burning all these different fan bases. But um, someone keep this, a tally of all the horrible things I say about other people. <laughs> just this is yeah, it. this episode, it's burning a lot of goodwill we got here. Um what but, happened to you, Melvin? Why are you saying uh, these things? Why why Who today? Why <laughs> um, <laughs> Uh, but there's just something so thunderingly blunt and kind of obvious about using Leonard Cohen's hallelujah, which it, it can't tell. It's so pretentious and it's so full of itself. Like this is supposed to be a religious experience. Snyder's justice league, but at the same time, it's also so Snydery or everyone loves like the opening montage and Watchmen with the times they are changing. I really like the opening of Batman versus Superman. I think that's one of the, that, bit is one of the best batman things you've ever seen on screen it's a great hook it's so it's good such, you watch it and you're like this is gonna be sick and then yeah you keep watching it and you're like i'm gonna be sick <laughs> this is so bad <laughs> but who knows i i know like i think people who know me might expect me to be very like pessimistic and hope that this is bad because i found the whole snyder cut movement so to speak to be not great i mean if you go on wikipedia for example there's a whole section talking about the reported toxicity of the movement and you know i saw that like in comment sections on twitter and youtube and reddit where it was just ugly and i my i i we're right now we're tentatively planning to review the snyder cut of justice league when it comes out and i would really like to do sort of a lead up to it review some of the other movies and the dc expanded extended universe of films is bizarrely important to me as a film consumer because Man of Steel and Batman for Superman marked two very important moments in my life as far as how I watched movies and talked about them. And so much of that is also specifically tied into the way Zack Snyder makes movies and the way his trailers look and all that. 
the best Superman movie I've ever seen is the trailer for Man of Steel. It is beautiful. It is powerful. It really, it's everything I wanted from a Superman film in about two minutes. But then the actual like end product, because he has to sort of, you know, expand upon these scenes with dialogue and story and movie. I don't think sometimes, but I, I think for some people that those moments, those moments of almost like majesty are more than enough to make up for everything else. Like for some people, the visual of Batman in the Dark Knight Returns suit staring down Superman is enough. They don't need the movie around it. They just, that in itself is enough. And so I'm hoping this is good. Is that the same trailer that uses the Lord of the Rings music? Yes. Yes. <laughs> I always thought Which that was Which is so weird. funny to think about. Yeah. Because <laughs> I, I remember finding it effective, but I'm like, I just watched the movie that had this song in it. This really Gandalf is dying. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's like it's so strange. I think I feel like Warner Brothers just doesn't care about balancing prop or or I'll say this, Warner Brothers has the did the brilliant move of being like, yeah, we own the rights to a lot of stuff. Why don't you just use it? Cuz <laughs> once they kind of did like I feel like Lego Batman was the first time I really saw them be like, oh, yeah. yeah, we own a lot. <laughs> and then you watch Lego Batman and oh my gosh, the eye of Sauron is here. It's just, why not? I, this is, this one's weird because I, I want to watch Zack Snyder's Justice League purely for the novelty of it. It is a curious watch. I believe we've actually talked about this before where there are these movies that you just have to watch. The New Mutants, you just had to go see it. You had to. It didn't matter what was in the way. It doesn't matter what what's happening to the world. You had to go see it. This movie has deserved its time in the theater, no matter how much Disney wants to ruin it. Catch uh, catch my thoughts about that on the website, cinematicdoctrine.com. Um, <laughs> so, <laughs> so it's just like, it's, I got to watch this. I have to get HBO Max. I have to watch Zack Snyder's Justice League when it comes out. That doesn't mean that I think it'll be good. Like I, I think it could be good because I haven't seen it yet. So I don't know. Schrodinger, Schrodinger's movie, Snyder's movie could be good. But track record shows me that it will not be very good. It'll be an interesting conversation to have because Batman versus, versus Superman. It's kind of interesting to talk about and talk around because there are some really interesting things in the movie. Part of that is based on visual profile. Part of that is based on casting choices. Jesse Eisenberg is in that movie. Do you remember that? Do you guys remember that Jesse Eisenberg is in Batman vs Superman, <laughs> and he doesn't play Riddler? Do you guys remember that? It's <laughs> it's, it's so strange, but like, they're and so they're really interesting to talk about, but they're not very good. And um, yeah, I, I, it's it, but but you gotta see it. Yeah, but you gotta see it. <laughs> Here's the thing with I, I this is almost kind of like a spoiler for our eventual discussions on all these movies but it is like very much schrodinger's schrodinger's movie where up to this point anything you could imagine from a dc film was allegedly apparently either in this movie or was planned and so it's this almost like critic proof movie in the sense of like if we see this and there's things about that aren't perfect or whatever someone on the internet will dismissively hand wave away be like well you know that was supposed to be justice league the third one and that's such and such's fault for not doing that and it's not snyder's fault that they didn't do yeah this, but like, well i mean Zack snyder can now go into his project and the things that were in not snyder cut the things that are in the whedon cut as people sometimes have called it 
there are some probably as- some aspects that are probably very similar and those criticisms he can go hmm all right i need to change that so like the snyder cut isn't the snyder cut it is the two years from the previous cut edited version with improved ideas cut and so it's it's not the original movie this is its own thing it's just sort of right just a new thing which I think I've seen before in some media formats. Well, I guess like a remaster, like video games have remasters all the time. I've heard a really interesting case on remastering Pixar films that they need to just start remastering Pixar films because watching like Toy Story or Incredibles, you'll always be able to have the original. But how cool would it be if they reanimated those films based on their current technology? This is just the first time we're getting to see this much press released for a remastered basically movie because there are director's cuts. There's the Richard Donner cut. So it's not like this is a unique thing in DC. It's like four versions of Blade Runner. Yeah, there are. (laughs) Yeah. And even then final cut is still like, yeah, come on, you, you pretentious man. Why? He's not a robot. (laughs) Apocalypse now. (laughs) There's the Spider-Man three editors cut, which just showed up on Amazon. Do you remember that? It was just like, It just showed up. There was years ago, like I think in 2016 or 17, a a listing for the editor's cut of Spider-Man 3 just showed up and it just got like a couple extra minutes of scenes, some reoriented drama sequences. So we've seen stuff like this before, but it's not like an editor's cut where they still have the same scenes. It's not like Richard Donner cut where it's just a little closer. It's not like the final cut for Blade Runner where it's, here's a scene of a unicorn from another movie I made that I'm just going to put into this (laughs) thing and totally change everything. This is like, here's footage we've never seen before added in. So that's unique, but then also probably some major changes to the plot that might improve on what he learned. Oh yeah. We're we're not good because there are some very not good things about justice league. I just hopes it, it drops all of Whedon's humor, which he just repeats in every movie. Yeah. I didn't, I didn't think it worked in, Justice League. I really don't think his comedy, no, Whedon stuff, it didn't worked. I, and I typically like. I know Joss Whedon has suddenly become some somebody that a lot of people hate all of a sudden, but I generally like Joss Whedon stuff. I really like Cabin in the Woods. I like the first Avengers movie. To be clear, and I want to make this crystal clear to everyone listening, I don't hate Zack Snyder. And I love DC Comics. Yeah, I, I don't love, hate him either. He seems like a swell guy. I don't know. Zack Snyder like went after a, t- a critic on Twitter. Like they tweeted something about the trailer. They're like, oh, this seems okay. Like it was a very mild take. And he literally was like, he like was like angrily quoting like, you call Justice League a, a Saturday morning cartoon. Well, this movie's for adults. Also, great job commenting on like, this is a pirated version of the trailer or something. It was like, Zack, first off, your entire this entire thing that we're existing in right now is because you keep telling people that that movie wasn't your movie. So why are you upset that he did it like <laughs> Justice League? Second, that's weird, dude. Like you can't angrily yell at people because they didn't like your movie or trailer for a movie. That's like unhealthy. Like you can't sit there and like be upset at people for not like your movie. Also, <laughs> LOL, haha. Just Snyder's Justice League is for adults. Dude, this has a guy named Cyborg in it, man. Like, I'm sorry, but like, I love these characters. I think there are many adult, serious, like, works of art featuring these characters. But like, 
being upset at somebody for enjoying a movie with robots in it the way that they enjoy a cartoon is just pants on head crazy. I'm sorry, but like... <laughs> okay, I correct myself. Zack Snyder is possibly a little cool, maybe a little stressed. Very stressed. I'll say <laughs> maybe a little... We're all stressed these days. <laughs> yeah, you got to show grace sometimes, boys. You got to do it. Listen, I... Like, yeah, I get it. Like, I've read, you know, there's right now the big thing is we're going to try and make Batman as dark and evil as possible. Man who laughs, blah, blah, blah. Batman full metal. Uh, yeah, whatever. But at the same time, like at the heart of these characters is something so whimsical and beautiful. And that's part of why I love comic books and why I like superheroes as a thing that exists. That's why the Silver Age works. That's why that's why all of comics works. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's yeah, like at their core. These are wish fulfillment characters meant to embody ideals and inspire people like the original writers who created Superman partially wrote and created Superman because I think one of their parents were killed in a mugging and they wanted to create a character that would never allow that to happen. And also they were Jewish and haha, take that Nazis. Here is your Superman Uberman ideal, but created by two, two Jewish guys. And we're going to show what a real Superman is like. And that is at the heart and soul of the character, no matter what you do. And this constant desire to remove that because you think it's lame to be cool and good to people is just the opposite of being adult and serious. I, but what I'm, what I'm trying to underline is this idea that like being adult and mature and serious does not is not the same thing as thinking it's lame that somebody would just do the right thing because it's the right thing to do. That is not the same thing. And that is a fundamental, that is what a 15 year old thinks adult and serious is, is being edgy and angry and nihilistic and cynical is not the same thing as being intelligent and serious and thoughtful. And that is just, that is the complete incongruency of kind of how people seem to view these characters now. And my fear is that Zack Snyder plays into that too much. And I like I said, I like his, I like, I, for the most part, think he's fine. I think he's a good director. Insert millionth uh, diatribe about how Zack Snyder makes great visuals, but doesn't tell great stories, or write good dialogue, or seem to understand what a character is. But yeah, I just, that's kind of my fear is that tweet. Like, cause I saw the trailer and I was like, oh, you know, okay, whatever. And then I saw him like angrily, like cr- making this big cringe on Twitter about, Posting no, cringe. my movie's yeah. for adult. And it's like, your movie. You gotta have a certain people. high cue to watch Justice League, Zack Snyder's cut. <laughs> yeah, dude, Aquaman is fighting demons from another planet. <laughs> I'm sorry, there's only so, like, adult <laughs> you can make this. Yeah, adult, if adult means, like, somebody who is older and also likes things for children yes then that it is for adults yes do you know that do you, this is this will sound a lot of left field but do you know that myth about nixon and he's standing at the uh he's standing in the oval office facing the window and a secretary comes in while all these hippies are dancing and singing and they're trying to say like end the war end the war and the secretary it wants to tell nixon something but nixon turns and he's weeping and he says, how do I get these hipsters off of my lawn? Do you think that's Zack Snyder when he looks at Joker fans for Todd Phillips? <laughs> He's just like, how do I make a serious movie that people think is mature? <laughs> yeah. Here, here's the thing. Like, I think I love Disney Pixar movies. Well, I used to. They, you know, we'll get into that someday. But like, I think that there is like, you know, it's by C.S. Lewis when he wrote Lion, Witch, and the Road Drum, and his entire Chronicles and Narnia series. 
you know, I love his thing where he wrote them for children, but then he famously told somebody like, eventually grow up and you won't appreciate these anymore. But hopefully one day, I hope you're old enough to appreciate fairy tales again. And I feel like Zack Snyder's making movies for everyone in that middle ground where they think they're too old for this. And there's this insecurity where like people mock Adam West's Batman. They're like, no, you don't understand. Batman is serious. And they're insecure about liking that these things are primarily made for children. And so they think that to prove that this is actually big boy stuff, we're going to make movies with lots of violence and swearing of blood and nudity and sex, because that's what adults, that's what's in adult movies, you know, but like in reality, they're just proving their own kind of immaturity by wanting that. Or I think you can make serious minded adult films while still having whimsy and wonder in them. And when we just reviewed a ghost story, and I think that was a very whimsical movie with a lot of wonder and awe in it. I think Terrence Malick makes movies with lots of whimsy and awe. Steven Spielberg Steven Spielberg has made a career out of yes, this. Yeah. Jaws is like, it's Jaws is a little like his, his first film. It's crosses a line of perhaps too frightening for certain kids, but it is like, it is an adventure movie. There are stages, there is progress, but there's also like an active threat, but there's also really good comedy in that movie. And so, yeah, from the beginning, Spielberg has been built on that. Jurassic Park, the entire thing is like that wonder. And Indiana Jones, oh my gosh. Right. <laughs> Star Wars, Star, Star Trek. Yeah, like, yeah. You know, all these uh, things that are for adults, but they're also, there's like a childlike wonder to them. And I just worry that in this, you know, we see this with the whole like Suicide Squad kills the Justice League. Someone was tweeting about how. DC and Warner Brothers have, have realized that there's a huge portion of their fan base that at the end of the day, they would rather be the people killing Superman. They don't want to imagine themselves as Superman anymore. And that's just kind of sad. And that's kind of what I'm worried. <laughs> this little and all Snyder could prove entirely wrong. He could give us his hopeful, beautiful vision of Superman and the Justice League. And I like Darkseid. Darkseid is a great character. I think, you know, Steppenwolf was a very weak antagonist of the film. I think Darkseid is an awesome Darkseid and I this isn't like Darkseid is an awesome villain partially because he's just so un like redeemably evil. And I think that's interesting in the fact that like they're like he's just so menacing and evil. And I think he's so fun because of that. And I was a huge fan of Ezra Miller's Flash, but I think he's got potential. And I'm super so excited about DC Comics in general, actually. It's just this bit of Snyderness that's just still lingering in the clouds that I'm hoping I'm just want to move past and get to all this stuff that I think is fun and interesting. Do you think if they put in Dark Side Baby, then the movie will be perfect? <laughs> perfect, yes. <laughs> yeah. Like perfect doesn't even begin to describe it. You know? <laughs> For a guy who knows how to make a good scene, give us Dark Side Baby. <laughs> yeah, I want Kryptonite Ape to show up. You know, a composite Superman. <laughs> you know, it just like just really like let's just like really dig in deep to the weirdness. I'm actually super excited about New Gods. I think that's going to be great. I think they announced that Tom King is writing on that. And Tom, Tom King, King is a great writer. He, oh, he wrote he wrote the recent um Rebirth. It's bad. No. <laughs> no. <laughs> well, aren't they bringing Scott Snyder in to do something? What is he writing? I'm pretty sure he's writing something cuz Scott Snyder No. No, I think Scott Snyder is working on the game. Never mind. Dude, mir- that's the dude, wrong show. Tom- Tom Tom King wrote Miracle Man and he wrote uh, Mr. Miracle. I'm sorry. He wrote the Vision comic. That's great. I know his stuff on Batman. It's been kind of mixed reviews, but it's OK. So I've only read his Batman Rebirth and it's bad. It is really bad. Um, 
but it could have also just been a very hard time in his life. So Tom King, if you're <laughs> listening, I hope you're doing okay now. Um, you know, sometimes we just bear bad fruit. We don't even know it until someone checks in on us. So, <laughs> well, I like this thing of like, let's bring in like comic writers to help out with film writers to really iron this out. Like I was really excited when it was announced that Grant Morrison was going to help write like the flash movie. Uh, I like the idea of Jeff Johns helping to write. He initially, he helped write the first draft of the Batman, um, which we're going to get into in a second with Ben Affleck and he working on Wonder Woman. I know Jeff Johns, people don't like him right now because of some, there's some controversy at DC comics. I can't even keep track of what's going on anymore, but there was a lot of people that were fired. I think. Yeah. There's something else on it, but yeah, I bring in Jeff Lemire to write on some stuff, you know, I think Scott Snyder writing a Batman thing would be great, but oh yes, please. I mean, he's <laughs> great. Zack Snyder's Justice League is directed by Zack Snyder with a credited screenplay by Chris Terrio. But um, let's be real, Zack Snyder is most likely the main creative force at every level of this particular project. However, it is also credited to producer of Deborah Snyder and Charles Rover. Also, Junkie XL is doing the score for the film, and that's awesome because I love Junkie XL scores. This film is yet to be rated, though the original cut with the film was PG-13. But because it's for super duper adults, I guess it'll be NC-17. It is set to be released in early to mid-2021. Do you really think he would make it NC-17? No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) It's going to be for adults, man. No kids allowed. Like, Batman's going to go on a weird rant about Israel while cutting people's heads off. It's going to be so hardcore, baby. But speaking of a Batman who actually would cut people's heads off. (laughs) We'll see. So, The Batman... Not to be confused with the animated TV show that ran for five seasons, The Batman. Uh, little has been revealed about this upcoming Batman movie, which is, what is rumored so far is that it takes place during Batman's second year as the Caped Crusader. And it appears as though Batman is trying to unravel a mystery while encountering a large cast of its classics rogues gallery, including Paul Dano as the Riddler. Now, that is what we have been confirmed so far. I even tried to check on the official website for a synopsis, and all they did was list the giant cast. However, it's clear that there is definitely some heavy influences from the long Halloween, which is one of those Batman comics that everyone likes. The edition I have has quotes from uh, Christopher Nolan and what's his name? Christopher Nolan. And when you take a look, I think we have the same copy. It's the guy who is credited as writing on a bunch of stuff like the dark Knight and Batman vs Superman. And he directed blade three. I'm just going to name his discography. I'm going to name his filmography while we get there. David Goyer. David S. Goyer. All right, I'm coming back. I'm coming back to do my job. But yeah, The Long Halloween is widely regarded as one of the best Batman stories. And it's great because it's a gritty film noir where it's a mystery. And that's kind of been my one big complaint about every Batman movie is we never get to see the world's greatest detective do a lot of detective work. He just screams, where is he? Yeah, he just kind of he does all the other Batman things. He's got cool gadgets. He swings around. He punches people. He has dead parents. Did you know that he his had, parents yeah. are very dead? How, how dead are they? How many movies dead are they? Like seven, <laughs> eight, 12, 14, several movies. Do you think we'll see his dead parents again in, in Zack Snyder's Justice League? <laughs> That'd be great. Dark side is like Martha. <laughs> and Superman's like, don't say that. <laughs> That'd be a great little bit. Not great. It'd be horrible, but it'd be right if the running gag or all the other Justice League people have to keep like <laughs> preventing Batman from hearing the name Martha. Like someone's watching Martha Stewart, like flashes and cyborg runs in and goes, turn it off, turn it off. <laughs> Batman's coming in. I get that. That's like an overplayed oh, criticism, <laughs> but it is so on its face, kind of like a great 
like set up for a comedy because it is kind of this this hardened batman who is branding people so they'll get murdered in prison who's got machine guns on his batmobile he just he just can't get over martha you know i mean yeah that's how that's trauma's deep and difficult and stuff but the dude's like in his 50s at this point you know (laughs) I don't know. And I say this and I say this as a giant Batman fan. I love Batman. Batman's my dude. I like I have an entire like I don't, on my comic book shelf. There's whole sections just for Batman uh, sectioned off. I own, I think, every animated film that has come out for Batman. I own all every season of all the animated TV shows that come out for the character. I just deeply love this character. And so I am so excited for this for two Batman. This is this trailer has been analyzed to death at this point. You're talking but, now. You're talking now about Paul Dano Riddler Batman. Yes, Paul 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 Dano Dano uh, Riddler Batman, where it is first I use one of my favorite Nirvana songs, "Something in the Way," which is it's great because it has this haunting, beautiful chorus, and the verses are borderline nonsense. Oh, talking about how it's okay to f- eat fish because they don't have any feelings. I don't know why you're talking about Kurt Cobain, but we see him and he's unraveling a mystery, and there's all these creepy jigsaw-like things happening where people are getting taped up people are getting put in precarious positions and robert pattinson man was i right in saying he just looks like bruce wayne he just looks like this tortured sad rich white guy who just is so and i will accept all that brooding and isn't over his parents death thing because it's his only second year of batman and i get that it's at this this point is a meme people online were tweeting like you think something bad is going to happen to batman's parents in this movie and people are tweeting like what does something bad happen to him and like (laughs) do you think there'll be flashbacks to it do you think he'll stare longingly as the vision haunts him like yeah yeah, okay it's it's a meme batman's parents are dead we're gonna see him martha and wayne and uh uh, martha and wayne um i said jonathan kent oh my gosh martha and thomas wayne uh, we're going to see them get gunned down an alley once again. They even got gunned down an alley in, in, in uh, Joker. <laughs> <So> just, <laughs> That's you, right. Yeah, they just need to get killed. Just in case you didn't miss it. No, uh, so, spoilers. Batman's parents die. Um, <laughs> but it's just it just I can't overstate how em- enthusiastic and hyped I am for this. I cannot wait to see this movie uh, from Colin Farrell is unrecognizable as the penguin from the very old school Catwoman costume we see. From Batman pressing Y to counter that thug and then pressing square to melee him yeah. into an oblivion. Yeah. He, and he, his, his Batman screams, I am vengeance. And it just, it works. It's perfect. It's beautiful. The Batmobile looks amazing. I I just can't say enough good things about it. There's so little we know about it, but I know everything you know from this. Uh, Jeffrey Wright looks perfect as Jim Gordon. Yeah. The Batsuit looks awesome. And the Bat voice sounds great. It doesn't look like he's trying too hard, nor does it sound too unnatural but it's menacing it's just i love it i love it to death this this is the best batman we've ever seen already <laughs> i hope i don't live to regret that statement like a man so, of steel situation like a man of steel situation this is the best batman movie ever until the movie comes up yeah but melvin let me let me hear it yeah positive stuff i think it looks really good i think the trailer gives me the mood that i think it's going to try and give you is this mystery noir you're going to constantly be trying to figure things out just as much as Bruce Wayne is or Batman because Bruce Wayne died with his parents. And um, I, I think there's going to be, well, let me say this, this is this, when, when this trailer came out, the first thing I said was, does this even have footage that's going to be in the end product? Because they canceled, they had to pause shooting because of 
COVID. Like shooting was still, I think shooting started in the beginning of February and then COVID was literally mid-March. And because of that, there are probably things that are being changed. I mean, Robert Eggers is like, I'm working on a movie called The Northman. COVID happens and he goes, ah, I'm just going to change the script. So he's just rewriting The Northman and adding scenes and making it bigger. So he added Bjork, right? <laughs> yeah, he added Bjork to the, to, to the Northman. The fact that he's doing Northman and not that Nosferatu movie that was planned bums me out. But uh, so knowing that there is a precedent for some films getting totally reworked and remade because of COVID, uh, I'm I'm like, are we going to see half of this stuff? Because there are certain scenes that are clearly not finished. Um, there are camera placements that don't seem right. They almost seem more like backup scenes do you remember when the first venom trailer came out and it was very clearly unfinished yes so we're not that tier we're like it's just let's just show tom hardy shaking in a machine with no special effects and then the next trailer there are special effects because they were done (laughs) um or even in the venom trailer the first one there is a sideways shot while tom hardy is on a motorcycle going down the road and cars are exploding and it looks very much like a hollywood set until, of course, the movie where they don't use that shot. And some of those are used in this trailer. Uh, all I'm saying is, is not that I am not excited. Like I said, I have positive thoughts. I think Pattinson's awesome. I think he's just very good at what he does. I think he he's obviously very excited for the role. He was, the whole story is amazing, basically. He's shooting Tenet. He's there on set. And he says to Nolan, a family issue just came up. I have to go. And Nolan says, you're leaving to go try out for Batman, aren't you? <laughs> and, and he didn't, Pattinson didn't know what to say because he's like, uh, you're paying me to be here and I'm going to try out for another movie. <laughs> to which Nolan was just like, you know, good luck. And he went and did it and he was uh, like totally down for it. Pattinson even said in an interview that he's just been dying to play this role, like since he's a huge Batman fan and like it's just his dream role to be going for as an actor to be like, of the recurrent characters, because there's like people want to be James Bond. He's just somebody who's never going to die. That character is going to be used forever. Batman is also one of those. When you people were surprised when like, you know, Nolan's trilogy finishes and then Bat, Batfleck became a thing, Ben Affleck. And they're like, I can't believe they're not bringing back Nolan. It's like, dude, Michael Keaton's still alive. Do <laughs> you think you're going to bring him back? The answer is yes, apparently. Yeah, yeah, actually, they are. Um, <laughs> that's going to be very interesting. How many Batmans does DC want? I don't know. So it's clear that he has a lot of passion for it. And you can tell even from the trailer that he's doing great. But again, like, are these scenes going to be in the end product? I hope. You know, I got to wait and see. I really do. This isn't a trailer that elicited a lot of, oh, I'm so excited, like I'm seeing online. But it is definitely one where I'm like, it's not Wonder Woman where I say, I got to go see it. Batman is like, ah, yeah, I'm going to go see that. So that that's my my. You could say another hot take because I'm not fangirling, but you're not. Yeah, you're not like me. Or I'm yeah. just like, I love Batman. Batman's the best yeah. thing ever. <laughs> like, I am excited. I think it's going to be cool. I'll say yeah. that. I, 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 know, I can tell that some people who they're going to go for me going like, ha ha, these idiots think these stuff su- super duper serious. And I'm like, I love the Batman. I love the <laughs> Batman Stark. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I so I think the only thing that was really surprising is how violent he was in the trailer. Um, That's and it Batman, makes sense. dude. Well, he doesn't. <laughs> I've never known 
I'm used to a late stage Batman that's a lot more calculated. He's very much about dishing his form of justice, which is very violent. Oh, yeah. But not so aggressive. This is an operating table and he's a surgeon, baby. Right. So I'm and I get that because he's going to be an early stage Batman. It works a lot more. In fact, I think that's going to be exciting. Because Another thing I asked you privately was, is this the youngest we've seen Batman? And you were like, I think so. And there's something exciting about that, because I think. I just think that's really exciting. We've gotten a lot of old Batman. We've had old Batman with spinal injury and a leg that doesn't work. And then through the magic of robotics, now it does. So thank you, Dark Knight Rises, for being the movie that you are. Yeah. <laughs> or um, Batman and Crisis on Infinite Earths. Did you see that? Where Kevin Conroy played a live action Batman for the first time. I didn't. No, I, that's is great. Really cool. Yeah. I mean. This is this is a young Batman who doesn't have full bearings. He's a little more risky. He's a little more like he's less disciplined, so to speak. And like, I definitely get a lot of long Halloween, but also like Batman Earth One vibes and stuff where like this isn't necessarily this doesn't feel like the Bale Batman where he like went to and trained with the League of Assassins or anything like that. Or like there's this great episode of Batman the Animated Series where it turns out he went and studied with Zatanna's dad to learn like Houdini, like escapism and stuff like that which is really fun and cool. Like this is a Batman where it feels like he just started taking a local Muay Thai class and then started going out and beating people up. And so like, I'm totally down for that where this is like, he's what if vulnerable. It's like the art of self-defense. <laughs> <laughs> he um, he's going to learn to punch people with his, with his foot and kick people with his fist. <laughs> and then it turns out shooting people is the best way anyway. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Like that would be great. Just bring, yeah. That's how you bring Jesse Eisenberg. Yes, that's redeem Jesse Eisenberg. Yeah, but yeah. I tell, yeah. Like I, I, yeah. I'm just a big Batman fanboy in that regard. But like, I think Batman is a character that works better for these grounded, darker stories. But I think part of what makes that work is this: he's not dealing with like, you know, magical, mystical villains. Like he's not going to fight Parasite or Clarion the Witch Boy or you know, Clayman. Or Clayface, Clayface. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, who knows? Clayface could show up. Who knows? Um, yeah. But yeah, he's not going to, he's not fighting the the ancient gods. He's not going to be fighting Darkseid in this movie. He's going to be dealing with Riddler, Penguin, <laughs> Catwoman. Like, I really hope they bring in Ca- Calendar Man, like in the Long Halloween Please. comic, where he's like a Hannibal Lecter like guy. Like he's dealing with gangsters like Carmine, Carmine Falcones in this movie, like, and that works for the tone they're going for. It'll be an interesting thing to see if because the trailer shows off that he's very violent and over the top and probably still like learning how to be balanced as Batman. But then the villain that they're advertising the most is a cerebral psychological villain where him being violent and aggressive and having a body that's basically the, the most powerful body <laughs> until <laughs> Superman shows up, having him go against somebody that's testing his smarts. I think that will be interesting. Yes. And that'll probably, I suspect that that will be the, that's the foil that Riddler is going to be playing. Cause typically that's kind of the foil of Joker. Although Joker is specifically more a foil of you will not kill. And I will sh- try everything I can to get you to break that rule kind of thing. And then, or, or like you can't redeem anybody like, cause that's also Batman's thing. He is as violent and as depressing and, <laughs> and as dramatic as life is. 
he always sort of has this the best type of writing for Batman, I believe, is this hope that people can ultimately be redeemed so long as they're still alive. And so Joker, of course, plays against that. But Riddler is literally just, no, I'm smarter than you. Yeah. <laughs> Not funnier, Jim Carrey, smarter than you. <laughs> so, but I do want to see that costume, though. Let me get that Jim oh, Carrey yeah. costume and see that put in this movie. Well, that's kind of, I've always said that I think Riddler would be a great actual menacing villain for like a Batman, a serious Batman movie or even serious Batman show is because he's entirely somebody who can work in the shadows, almost like a, like a year zero thing. And I've heard those comics, but where he can, he's, he could be a shadowy figure where Batman can't just punch him into oblivion. He has to actually outthink him. He has to play along with his ridiculous, ludicrous games in order to get to him. And so I think this could be a great formative experience for Batman where he learns that to be Batman, to be the symbol of justice, to be like the thing that makes every criminal think twice about sticking someone up in an alleyway. He needs to be more than just a guy who can go and punch everyone into an oblivion. He has to be somebody who can outthink them. He has to be someone who's strategic. And I would love it if these movies lead to like a third movie where the court of owls is like the main villain where you see the seeds of him thinking that he really has mastered Gotham. And then a great third movie would be the court of owls revealing that he actually doesn't have Gotham at all. And there's a whole thing with Riddler's trying to expose something in the trailer. Like he's talking about lies and things and they could plant the seeds here where he's trying to uncover like this shadowy organization that's really running Gotham. So, you know, I mean, I've, I've often said that I really, really love, I mean, some of these are actually in the Suicide Squad trailer where I'd love Batman deal with people like the rat catcher who's in the Suicide Squad movie or like Killer Moth or um, the Great White Shark or like any of these like lesser known villains. But I'm also all for really putting a new fresh spin on someone that people think they know, like the Riddler. So and also in case anyone wonders, no, this is this does not take place in the established DCEU continuity. This and though this started out as a Ben Affleck Batman movie that eventually directed by Ben Affleck and written by and directed by Ben Affleck. You know, something you made me think of is if it's court, if let's, let's, let's do that. Let's go into theories here. We're going full collider. We have spoilers in our movie discussion. And now we're doing (laughs) theories about Batman stuff. If they do court of owls, if they do court of owls and it recontextualizes Riddler trying to reveal something, then maybe it's Riddler killing court of owls members. And then what it does is it recontextualizes that Riddler was the good guy the whole time. Hey, all right. Wow. What we'll say 2831. It's a uh, 9 p.m. Exactly. It literally just turned 9 p.m. 831 2020. So when we get to 20, ah, let's say 2026, when the third one comes out, <laughs> guys, come on back here. You heard it here first. The Riddler will be the good guy and we won't know until. Matt Reeves gets his third movie. Also, what I think would be great is if this movie features Bruce Wayne's friend, Tommy Elliott, who's just Mm. a surgeon that he knows. And then second movie, maybe could be kind of like a tipping point. And I think Hush would be a great um, villain for a third movie. Love it. Or a villain for a second movie. You know, if they want to, if they want to cut the chase a little quicker, but imagine a three movie buildup for a guy like Hush, where, you know, him as Thomas Elliott for two movies. I think that would be really cool. I'd love it. Because, and again, that's a great villain for a grounded, serious Batman. You know, like, yeah, yeah, maybe you don't want to fight in Clayface or something, you know, or Poison Ivy even. 
but you could do a guy who just really hates Bruce Wayne and wants to shoot him in the face like that. You could totally do that. So poison ivy, but she uses succulents because she doesn't have to water them. Ah. Or me, I don't know. I'm just thinking of like what's a very mod modern stuff? killer croc from Suicide Squad movie, <laughs> and it's just him. They just use that killer clock for 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 everything. It's <laughs> that's the crossover. Yeah, they've announced that they're doing a Gotham PD show on HBO Max. That's a spinoff of this movie. That's like a prequel to the Batman movie. Well, I guess we have to watch it. That sounds great, but also like people are like, is this is this the right time for TV another show about cops? But like, I'm like, dude, Gotham is like the most corrupt police force in any comic book. Yeah, yeah. you could totally do that. And the whole thing could be like Jim Gordon is cleaning up the GCPD. And then he slowly brings on like Renee Montoya and Harvey Bullock and Aaron Cash and all these other people. You know, I think that'd be really cool. Birds of Prey crossover. There you go. And yeah, and she could become the question, even though as much as I love the um, the original question, but my thing when they announced Gotham, like their shows on Fox, is I want it to be like a Law and Order procedural. Like you just see like someone get dragged away, but it's clearly Killer Croc, in like the opening cold open, and that's just them trying to investigate the murder. And I'm like, they could still do that now with Gotham PD. That'd be totally awesome. But I just love Batman, dude. I'm so glad that there's an exciting Batman thing coming. Well, we got one more to do here, folks. So let's <laughs> we got to close out the Batman, and we gotta. We got to get to this one because Dan is really excited about about this. Yes, one. probably so... more than the Batman. <laughs> oh, man. Oh, my gosh. Anyway. So the Batman is written, directed and produced by Matt Reeves, who directed the recent Planet of the Apes trilogy, as well as Cloverfield and Let Me In. It's co-written by Peter Craig, who is a writer on The Town, Bad Boys for Life, Hunger Games 3 and 4. And it's co-produced by Reeves' uh, Apes co-producer, Dylan Clark. The film is scheduled to be released on October 1st, 2021. Um, Here's hoping that that actually takes place. So Mm. our final film, it's it is you is the documentary. You cannot kill David Arquette. Now, the plot synopsis on all platforms simply reads David Arquette attempts to a wrestling comeback after his acting career stalls, which that sentence alone probably confuses a lot of people, particularly the use of the word wrestling comeback and not wrestling career to begin to start with. Now, I assumed that based on this episode and the trailers you picked, that we would get plenty of traffic and clicks because people want to know about <laughs> Snyder Cut. They want to know about Batman. And so I feel like we can throw a wild card in here, one that I've been dying to talk about because it is a amazing, bizarre story that is the wrestling career of actor David Arquette. Now, David Arquette is... He's a B-level actor at best, probably. Now, he's in the screen movies, he's Officer Dewey, and he's had a lot of bit parts and smaller things. He's part of the Arquette family, which has a lot of great actors in there, Patricia Arquette. He was married to Courtney Cox while she was on Friends, so he's in the tabloids a lot. And he also did a lot of not-so-great movies, like 3,000 Miles to Graceland with um, Kurt Russell. But he was specifically in a movie called Ready to Rumble. Melvin, have you heard or seen the movie Ready to Rumble? No, I have not. It stars Oliver Platt, Scott Kahn, and David Arquette. And there was a wrestling company in the 90s to 2000 called World Championship Wrestling. Big company. That's where Sting was in. That's where Hulk Hogan, the NWO, were in that. Dennis Robin and Jay Leno wrestled matches. It was a weird company. But it was owned by Ted Turner and Warner Brothers. And so because of that, a lot of money. And they also co-produced a film called Ready to Rumble, whereas part of the gimmick was this is a movie featuring a lot of wrestlers from a wrestling company and stars David Arquette. 
And David Arquette is a huge wrestling fan. So he was all about it. So as a co-promotion, they're going to have David Arquette show up on wrestling, their show, do a promotional thing. And at the time, there was a guy writing and producing the show named Vince Russo. And if you're a wrestling fan, you know about Vince Russo because he is one of the most controversial, bizarre figures in wrestling history. His thing was he pioneered in the 90s the whole we're going to make wrestling like Jerry Springer and Howard Stern, and MTV and South Park and have lots of offensive, like transgressive material. He's the guy who brought in a lot of the swearing and then the scantily clad women and the violence. Cause he was like, this is what the nineties are like. And he was right. Wrestling became very popular with him writing. However, it turns out he's kind of a wild person. And so when he moved to world championship wrestling, he pitched and cr- produced a lot of very bad TV to put it mildly. He had bizarre storylines. It didn't make any sense. He had lots of like really just offensive and kind of almost like borderline racist humor on the show. Um, there was a guy named Jim Ross who was going through Bell's palsy, who was an announcer in the World Wrestling Federation. So he introduced a character that pretended to have Bell's palsy to make fun of him. Just not a nice guy. And he was like, we should make David Arquette, the actor, our world champion. Because that would get us a lot of publicity. Who cares? Wrestling's fake, whatever. Um, and David Arquette was like, that's a stupid idea because wrestling fans will obviously hate this because it's horribly like insulting to them to just put this like what is supposed to be the big championship that people like Ric Flair and Hulk Hogan have fought for. It put it on me, David Arquette, who is not a wrestler. I'm just an actor. And he was like, no, it's good for publicity. So they did it. They put the championship on David Arquette, who is. And I cannot stress this enough, not a wrestler. And he wins <laughs> and like people are throwing garbage in the ring. People are upset. People called and threatened to never watch the show ever again. And a year later, the company actually went out of business. And a lot of people point to him winning this championship as the official moment that the company, the company had been going down the tubes for a while, but it was the moment where it stopped being redeemable. People just decided like this show is not worth it anymore. There's a lot that went into WCW going into business, namely the Time Warner merger. But for a generation of fans, it was like David Arquette killed World Championship Wrestling. We hate this person. And so he kind of became an infamous figure in professional wrestling. But here's the thing. This thing that actively kind of hates him, he loves it. He loves wrestling. And he actually, to get to, to, to do this stuff, he trained. He trained with Diamond Dallas Page. He took it very seriously. He took all the money he earned and donated it to the families of people who's um, the spouses of wrestlers who had actually died prematurely and to a wrestler named Draws who got paralyzed in the ring. Um, he you know did all the things that he should. He put the belt on, went down to the bar and bought drinks for people all night. And so a lot of people that knew him were like, you know, he's kind of a better champion than some of the actual wrestlers. So fast forward, David Arquette's acting career has kind of stalled out. And so he's like, I want to redeem myself. I want to prove that I could do this wrestling thing for real. And he goes on the Wendy Williams show and announces it, which you see in the in the trailer for the documentary. He's like, I'm going to do this wrestling thing for real. I'm going to start trading. I'm going to learn Brazilian jiu-jitsu. I want to do this. And so this documentary is sort of a look at this bizarre decision from Arquette to be like, I want to show the fans that I care and I want to prove to myself that I can do this. People look at me as one of the worst champions to ever live who killed an entire wrestling company and in a lot of ways ruined wrestling forever. And I want to show them that I can do this. And so the documentary sort of uh, follows him as he trades, tries to become a wrestler, and it gets kind of out of control. There's clips in the trailer from this match, but he did a match where he was in a death match where a blight tube broke and actually went into his neck. 
and he almost and he had to go to the hospital during the match and stuff. And he's this forty something year old actor. He doesn't need to be doing these things, but he wants to do it because he loves it and he wants to show the fans that he can do it. And so I actually followed this while this happened. I remember he announced he was going to do it again, and people were like, "This is stupid. This is just a joke." And he started doing it. He was wrestling in front of nobody. He's wrestling in front of 50, 10 people, you know, in front of gymnasiums because he wanted to do it. And slowly but surely, in my experience, the wrestling fans sort of accepted him back. And it's just this really bizarre story of a man who's strangely obsessed and doesn't need to do this, but just does it because he has something to prove to himself and to everyone else. And so I just think that's a strangely beautiful story with people that you would never care about in a profession that most people think is stupid. And that's why I think it is exactly the type of compelling, strange documentary that people should see because that's kind of the point of documentaries is you see stories of, you know, people that you otherwise would have never even thought of for more than five seconds. And so I think that's kind of what's so great about this. But I mean, what did you think of the trailer? It's wild. That tra- <laughs> that trailer is wild. Like the last... <laughs> of the trailer is this blasting music that is like the equivalent of you're in your home, but somebody's outside with the windows down, doors open, blaring this song to the point you can't even hear the lyrics or the instruments. It's just like a like a kind of thing. And I'm like, yeah, this this makes total sense. This is Dan's movie. I see it. It's here. (laughs) I agree, though. I think about like documentaries and finding good subjects. That's what captures. I think that's what's great about documentaries. It's, It's something that documentarians have this benefit of having a higher chance of getting of capturing something interesting than fiction writers do, because creating something interesting is very hard. But finding something interesting is a lot easier. All it takes is talking to like maybe one person in your family to learn an interesting story and then you can track it and then you you got you got it especially nowadays where so much is filmed and so much is posted you could probably make a documentary purely on Elon Musk's tweets <laughs> and it would be fascinating because you're basically like chronologuing this constant stream of information and then you can be comparing it to real world events documentaries have this ability to do that and i think that alone is what i'm interested in for watching it is that this is a subject i don't know anything about this is a (laughs) a sport that a friend of mine really likes so that that makes it even more exciting because it's like now i could we can talk about it that'd be so fun to do on the show even if it's not too bad like too racy or something but like yeah i'm down i think this would be so fun to watch i think just you sharing the history about it makes it even more exciting. So yeah, this I'll I'll check it out. Thanks for indulging me here, Melvin. No, this it's is... great. I I think it's it looks really good. I think the history looks great. I'm sure it'll be fun for you because you said you followed the story as it happened. And I've never done yeah, that with do- was, Well, yeah. there is one documentary that I've done that with. And it's Fire. About the Fire Festival uh on Netflix. Uh, yeah. I was I was definitely aware of that that's the only time and it and it makes it surreal to to watch a documentary of something that you kind of have you were aware of going on so i think it's probably going to make it more exciting for you but then even for me because i might get some inside information of like when this happened in this documentary this is what was going on all that to say there's like degrees of this movie that i guess to you and me that are like me just because i love documentaries on interesting subjects and, and i'm your friend and our binge 
quarantine binge episode is 80% wrestling information. So now I'm an expert. Um, but then for you, it's like you were, you were, you were digitally present during this time. So yeah, I, I don't have a lot to say, but that's what I have to say is what I will say. <laughs> Thanks so much for checking out this episode of Trailer Talk. We hope you enjoyed it. If you enjoy the show, always feel free to share your thoughts with a review, follow us on social media, check out the Cinematic Doctrine Facebook group, or support us on Patreon and get some sick perks. A special shout out to those who support at the Art House Theater tier. Thanks so much, Mom, Dad, and Melanie. You guys are the best, and your continued monetary support means the world to us. All important links are in the show notes. Until next time, stay cool. Bye. Want some Cinematic Doctrine swag? You're in luck. We've got 3-inch Cinematic Doctrine logo stickers exclusive for Patreon supporters. Perfect for your travel mug or laptop. Head over to patreon.com forward slash cinematic doctrine, link in the show notes, and choose the independent theater tier. Doing so will net you other perks too. But let's be real. The podcast stickers are the coolest perk. So get yourself some podcast stickers by supporting on Patreon.